So, here we are. Two weeks uh, have passed since our last episode because we had a little bit of a change of plans. Uh, yeah, just through talking, you know, thinking it over and through conversations with, uh, you know, people we trust. Uh, we decided probably uh, this podcast about Avatar and Spider-Man and Sinbad and kids movies uh should not take on the entire structure of blackface (laughs) so because that's essentially what what we were what we were about to to do yeah it tropic thunder there's more there's definitely a lot going on a lot to talk about when it comes to that movie uh but that is that's the key component that we were gonna gonna be you know yeah talking about that's i think that's like what uh yeah. Right. We were it, talking about it in the boundary waters and like that aspect of that movie came up and we were like, this is like a, you know, social moment where like we've already started this podcast, this thing is happening and we're like trying to integrate elements of it. Uh, so it would be cool to do that, to like see that movie through a new lens. But um, I don't know how much fun that would be. And uh, there's definitely aspects of that movie that I know. I didn't even rewatch it. I know I would like, and I just don't even really want to like be defending a movie that does that in any way. Like, yeah, I don't even want to get into it too much. But yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But that's that's. I think that sums it up well enough. It's something that uh, is for another platform, and not necessarily something we can't figure out how to do one day in our own time or with another. Yeah. But for this platform, it yeah. It just, it, it, what's, I I think you worded it in another way too, that made me go, oh yeah, that like, we're, uh, we're almost like hitchhiking on something to, I don't, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't, that's not like the purpose of it, but it almost feels just like, you know, oh. when the, in such a early stage of our podcast too, like, what are we gaining from doing something like that other than, you know like, what I mean? Any some sort of like satisfaction from feeling like we're taking on exactly something that honestly we don't like our opinions aren't really what's necessary on that right yeah now. no one uh, yeah exactly yeah. um and sort of on a similar vein I just want to address because uh, in our pre-show talk we talk about things that we've been um we've been watching recently uh, and you know I was trying to think back on what I've been watching and uh, just realizing and I just want to you know publicly own up to the fact that you know I as an ally have kind of been slacking on the element of this movement that is uh, integrating black artists actively and consciously into the media that you're intaking Um, and yeah I've just kind of been falling back on uh, comfort shows just because you know I've not necessarily been having the easiest time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm okay and, like, generally pretty good. But, like, uh, you know, I'm falling back on those comfort things like scrubs and community and uh, that sort of thing. Um, and not to get into that rabbit hole, but we definitely live in, uh, in an environment that takes advantage of needing comfort. Yeah. All, a lot of comfort uh, in our modern society especially feels pseudo intellectual it feels like or not pseudo intellectual but like like false progressiveness like there's a lot of like 
it's okay that I'm watching this because there's an episode about this. Right. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're, you know, it's not putting uh, black artists in the forcefully into your uh, attention, like, you, yeah. which is important to do in a society that forces them out. It's like a movie uh, that purposefully tries to take on and be progressive about the way that we handle uh, in media, <laughs> I'm alluding to Tropic Thunder, uh, the way that we let actors like represent, you know, mental illness and, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ communities and uh, body shaming and like try and make fun of the ways that we handle that, but written by white guys. Uh, so that's, yep. you know, <laughs> why Straight we're not doing white that. white males. But, Bo Burnham uh, said it best in an entire song of shame. Yeah. Oh, Bo Burnham. I love that guy. Love that straight white guy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He's a good one, I guess. I do have a, a link to something I do want to talk about briefly. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is the one who committed the uh, act in <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Um, and... Uh, coincidentally enough, the things that Eva and I stumbled on um, when we were on the cabin was Sherlock Holmes. We watched both of the Sherlock Holmes movies, actually. Guy Ritchie. While we were at the cabin yeah. this last weekend. Yeah, um, Guy Ritchie's. How did how did you feel about them on a revisit? It's been a few years. I remember seeing them in theaters. Right. Really stylish. The whole yeah, they're... Uh, slow motion. I'm going to yeah. punch him in the sternum. Right. It breaks. Right. Discombobulate. I flip around. Yeah. <laughs> Discombobulate. Yeah. That, I'm pretty sure that's an actual quote. Yeah, no, that's like in, in the very first time he does that. And actually, I saw a really funny like video edit of that. And it's like, uh, uh, fracture the collarbone. Discombobulate. Twist around left arm. Discombobulate. <laughs> Get behind <laughs> him and squeeze his back into his back discombobulate <laughs> just like cutting in <laughs> him slapping his ears between every movie does pretty funny but they're just really fun action movies like uh you know the critic mark kermode I've, mark i kermode. think i've talked about him like once with maybe it wasn't even on this podcast and it was just like in passing but yeah i don't remember you should look him up he's he does uh now he does a lot of like little video uh, reviews like in the studio because i think he's like a, a radio i mm. i should know more about him i'm anyone who knows him is probably like oh man you always have tidbits of info but never know what you're talking about i'm sorry <laughs> but uh he's really really great because he actually yeah. pr approaches the critiquing of film from that traditional like what can i learn from the this film and how can i learn from the way it was made you know things like sure. that and he defends the hell out of those movies. He loves them. Whenever there's a reason to talk about them, he'll be like, no, I really love Sherlock Holmes. And it's just like, okay, yeah, me too, me too. But I need to rewatch them. That sounds yeah. like a fun time. The, the, the fact that... The one thing I want to like highlight on it is actually what you brought up, but not just in the circumstance that you brought up, which is the slow-mo. He actually, he's got a really good usage of slow-mo throughout both of those movies um and not just in those scenes where it's like sherlock is planning out how he's gonna kick this guy's ass it's like uh there's moments where there's explosions or in fight scenes or action sequences or when they're running through a forest that just really good usage of slow-mo that is very stylized like in spider-man we talked about slow-mo and it's very noticeable or, it, or it's not noticeable, is what I mean. 
is what yeah, I meant to say. Yeah, it's used in way in moments. It's used in to ways like that flow in. Highlight an element. Yeah. This Sherlock Holmes is a good example of slow mo being used in a way that's like, oh, look at that badass slow mo shot. But it's not like dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels organic, but good. I have a little uh, tidbit of cool film knowledge about the slow-mo in the scene I think you were just talking about with the trees and them running. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched this, and this is another, this is kind of segueing into what I what I watch a lot of. Uh, yeah. There's this YouTube series, I think I've talked about it on here before, but I actually highly suggest it. If you're this far into our podcast and enjoy it, you would like this YouTube series. It's mm-hmm. called um, CGI, or it's called uh, Visual Effects Artists React. Oh, there's like, yeah. A ton of different ones, but they I've even started bringing on like stunt men, like stunt men react, stunt women react. They yeah. have, uh, um, they just did one that was animators react, where they had an animator react to good and bad animation and like what mm. makes it good or bad. And like, mm-hmm. it's really cool because, you know, it's really easy from our point of view to be like, that's bad CGI. But when right. an actual visual effects artist is like, this is actually really, really good. They just didn't have nearly enough time. It's sad that this happened. Right. It makes you appreciate it more. They yeah. talked about that scene and how crazy it is because apparently that's all practical. Yeah. So the camera is moving at like 80 miles per hour. Yeah. And then they slow-mo it to make it still be moving fast through slow-mo. Right. So like, and then there's cool effects of like the way the camera zooms while going quickly. Like they yeah. had to create technologies to be able to make the camera move that fast without... Because, you know, when you slow it down, you're going to see every little bump, every little... Right. You know, they had to make it smooth as hell. But I highly suggest that series for anyone who's interested in this little tidbit because it's a really cool... I'm going to be looking up that video. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, And they just released a new one today, I think, that I watched and it was really good. Hell yeah. Um, What else have you been watching? What else? I have been watching The Umbrella Academy. I just watched it. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm still not done with Hannibal, which I will talk about when I finish, maybe. Okay, sure. But I needed to take a break because it really is a lot. lot. Almost every episode deals with death in a different way. And if yeah, that's all you need to know to know why it's hard to (laughs) to watch sometimes. (laughs) But uh, the Umbrella Academy is just like a really fun, uh, like really stylized, cheesy as hell, but violent superhero show. This season, I think I, I think it's fine to say this because in the trailer for the season they reveal this. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes place in 1961. Oh, so uh, it's very relevant as to the fact that one of the characters is black and just appears in the middle of a. Ooh. Well, she doesn't appear there, but the first she appears in an alley and immediately runs into a whites-only restaurant. And that was probably one of the most spine-tingling moments of media for me of the year, you know, other than, like, the entirety of The Five Bloods, which... Did you watch that yet? I haven't watched it yet. That'll be... Okay. uh, That'll be my reinvestment into uh, making sure I'm getting uh, black artists in the medium. I can't wait to talk about that next week, then, because... Hell yeah. Yeah, but... I'm all, that's all I'm going to say. I won't say any more than that uh, mm-hmm. about the show because all that, all that, all more that needs to be said is said in my description of it. <laughs> it's simple, you know, <laughs> yeah, but it was enough. fun. It was fun. I really liked it. Hell yeah. Well, uh, we, we've got another show to talk about on this show, which is titled A New Lens. 
<laughs> I was a little. I, I heard a little bit too much it. cheese in my voice. Uh, we've got this show. Oh, this. <laughs> I like that. Uh, well, this is uh, started the starting of our second like season as we start the second season of this podcast that Gary and I started to uh, look at media, mostly film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. Uh, so. We are finally to season two of Avatar, which, oh my god. I mean, there's some incredible stuff on season one of this show. Yeah, like we've already said, this might be my right. favorite blank, like but a few all, times. If all but those this times, season forget that. <laughs> might be my favorite season <laughs> yeah. of television ever. Yeah, and we start off so fucking strong with this episode, The Avatar State. I think... This is maybe even the strongest no opening yet. Just you see the episode title and you're like, oh, I'm oh. in. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think there's any other episode that made me, like, jump out of the couch when I realized what we were about to be experiencing. Because this is, like, right. the question. We yeah. figured it all out. Like, we haven't mm -hmm. figured nearly everything out. But... We feel like we have a firm grasp on the mythology of this universe, but we still have no fucking idea <laughs> yep. what the hell is up with this Avatar state. Yeah. And, and then they just are, open. boom. Yep. Ooh. You're going to find out right now. Uh. <laughs> so this episode is really simple to recap. Basically, Aang is having bad dreams about the Avatar state and realizing that this is something that is really powerful that he doesn't know how to control. And just as that happens, they come across this Earth, like, I wouldn't call it a nation. It's like an Earth's kingdom city. And, it's like a base. Uh, yeah, it's a military base, it isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, and the, the uh, Earth kingdom general of this base basically is like, yo, we want to use your avatar state. We heard that you did this in the war and, like, defeated an entire fleet. So obviously you can defeat the fire niche or the fire lord. Mm -hmm. And Aang's like, that's not what I'm supposed to do. And this dude's like, too bad. And he basically <laughs> he at first emotionally manipulates him by yep. showing him all the damage of the war and how he could be totally stopping it. And oh, God. we'll get into it, but you mm -hmm. totally feel that too. You're mm -hmm. like, oh my god, you're right. Yep. And then uh it goes really, really far. He pushes him to the point of um, actual physical manipulation, and he, Aang does go into the Avatar state. We learn a little more about it from a guest appearance, which I can't wait to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. And he, yeah, anyway. And uh, the episode ends with us having learned more about that, and, oh, there's also a parallel thing going on. Yeah, we've got this, we've got this uh, B-plot going on, uh, which is, in my opinion, like even more important than the, yeah it's like, in it's incredible plot. yeah um, it is incredible. of uh iroh and zuko have escaped the um you know the giant clash at the northern water tribe at the end of the last season it's been some time they've found their way back to um you know a place where they can rest and relax uh zuko is trying to figure out figure out what his next moves are he's kind of you know venting about wanting to you know wanting his life back wanting his father and his family back and we meet azula for the first time his sister yes. who's on this ship uh commanding a fleet and she 
ships her way over to where Zuko is. She finds him and she tries to trick him and say that their father wants him back. And Iroh is not convinced, but Zuko, you know, jumps at the opportunity and almost boards the ship when a guard gives them away, which is a great moment we'll talk about. And uh, there is this clash and uh, they, <laughs> another clash, using the word clash again, um, which leaves Iroh and Zuko uh, abandoned and now wanted. Azula hangs signs that they are wanted and uh, we get a glimpse of, you know, an idea of where they're going from here. But uh, again, we'll get to all that. This is such an episode, man. Oh, my God. This one surprised me. I, I feel like going into it, when we opened on the dream sequence, I was thinking in my head, oh, wow, this is a great episode. I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And then as the episode finalized, I was like, Oh, I forgot how good that was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's. I knew it was going to be good. Mm. Because at this point, the show ain't fucking around anymore. Right. But, oh my god, is it not fucking around? (laughs) These flashbacks Uh, immediately are just like, hey, Aang's most emotional moments. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And from the point of view of the people that he was making feel those emotions. Because in those moments, he wasn't even aware He had no idea what was going on. He really doesn't know. And now he completely knows. And what's crazy about those moments, too, is they aren't his, like, vision or imagining of what happened. It literally was like that. So he's Mm -hmm. full on, like, embodying, like, it's some kind of empathic link with his friends and his peers. And he's able to just know what that did. Oh, and it shakes him. Especially, you can tell, the... um, the events at the Northern Water Tribe, which, you know, we said yeah. will affect him. And here it is. Like, he is in shock. Like, he's having post-traumatic, like, episodes because of what he did, which is He's afraid incredible. of himself. Yes! He's afraid yeah. of what he is capable of. That is so compelling. And he's 12. Like... Right! He's a kid, man. Oh, There's a man. couple moments in this episode that highlight that, too. Um but he wakes up from these flashbacks in these really dope, uh, like, furry water tribe hammock beds. I just wanted to highlight those because design-wise, they're very, very cool. And did you notice that they designed some, they, like, did a little, like, a uh, weather shift. It's a little uh, sunnier yeah. out. So some people are wearing, like, short-sleeved water tribe outfits instead of their parkas. Sokka's got Sokka. Uh, no sleeves for the first time. Yeah, which, uh, that's just cool. Pretty much throughout this season, I think, he uh, he continues to just be sleeveless. It's the look, you know. Sun's out, guns out! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, we get some long-term seeds planted where uh, Paku gives Katara a vial of water from the Spirit Oasis. The so only like good thing he's done. Magically charged water. <laughs> I know, there's this moment of, like, Katara hugs him, and she's like, thank you, Master Paku. Like, I'll miss you. Like, whatever. And it's like, fuck this guy. He never got any sort of actual redemption. You know, he's like, he's like, or... Aang, here are some scrolls, but you'll only learn from a real master. And he's right. like, fuck you. Yeah. You didn't even... Okay. Didn't... Yeah. Sokka, take care. I like that, though, I feel like him journeying um, to her grandmother is, like, a humbling, like, it feels like her running away and him not running after her was kind of like a, I mean, 
I'm totally fanficking this. You know what I mean? Like I'm just <laughs> yeah. creating like a headcanon that him not following her was part of his patriarchal shittiness. <laughs> sure. And now he's like giving into the idea that he can humble himself a little and Sure. Yeah. Well, it's like willing to actually like put in effort and work on something instead of being like, exactly. "Oh man, she ran away." Um, exactly. I feel so. Maybe next time we see him, I'll feel a little better about him. But I'm still a little like, "Fuck you, Paku." <laughs> yeah. Um, the the scene shift going over to Iroh and Zuko for the first time. I fucking love this pink these uh the I, I, cherry blossoms yes the cherry blossoms they're called sakura trees there yep there are many kinds of uh of them but these pink leaved it like gives such a feeling of like oasis for i uh, yeah i literally wrote this is so tranquil and i didn't remember what i was talking about until you said <laughs> that now i'm like oh yeah that's what i was talking about yeah because it just uh, creates tranquility in the scene right zuko's scars like he was cut up at the end of the last episode um his scars have healed we've got iroh getting a massage but he gives like even you know kind of joking like oh drifting on a raft for months and months will really bring it out of you and three uh, weeks with no like, food and water right Holy three shit. Weeks. oh my god like they really we skipped some time you know like they're they're I'm resting because that, they just went through uh, some shit they like scooped some water up and then boiled it in their hands to be able to drink water. Yeah. You know, cause can you mm. boil salt water to drink it? Does that work? I, I feel know. like it does. Yeah. Uh, I think you can, I think it would like, um, separate them. I'm not sure. I love that Iroh, <laughs> uh, he does fuck up, but it's something that totally makes sense for him to say. Like he's trying to be soothing and like, why would he banish you if he did not care? And it's like, Zuko just storms off and he goes, oh, that came out wrong. And it's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but it it doesn't feel like a stupid thing Iroh wouldn't say, you know? If yeah, no, organic. totally. It, yeah, absolutely. Um, then we flash over to Azula. Yeah. Who I, I was wanna... just going to say, I love how they introduce her. It's yeah. It's really cool. Just like her... Uh, her speech about the tides right yeah and just like commanding these troops like we have not seen this this type of respect to zuko from his you know crew and also his ship was like a tiny little thing and this ship has this gold you know spike formation on the front of it yeah looks like a shoe but in a scary way not in a funny way (laughs) you're like oh that's a scary shoe oh that's a royal shoe (laughs) yeah um i do want to make sure to highlight and say the name of the the actor that plays azula gray delisle i want to i want to pronounce i want to say it's delisle d-e capital l i s l e uh gray delisle what an iconic voice like perfect just like dante basco doing zuko and actually kind of in a similar like smoky way you know like they sound like they're both from like fire fire nation wow yeah they sound like siblings yeah and i didn't even think about that aspect of it i'm just thinking about how there's so much going on with some of azula's uh delivery it's not just i'm scary or i'm badass there's like this uh, what's the word just like a sinister feeling behind everything she says 
And uh, you can only really recreate that by being a fucking fantastic voice actor. Yeah. She does so much, especially with that speech of, uh, do the tides command this ship? You should probably follow what I'm doing because uh, the tides will kill you, but I haven't made up my mind yet. Oh, I love that line. It's and then so there's, cool. At the end of that scene, as he walks away, she like watches him walk away. And there's this eye close up, like it zooms in on. It's a very like sort of anime thing where like the yeah, top and bottom totally. of the screen are. It, it reminds shaded. me of the first episode. They do that with Zuko. He he goes like for the first time we meet him, and he's like, "I have to find the Avatar." And then right. he just like turns, and it <laughs> right. like close ups on his eye. And yeah. it was almost funny then because you're like this guy, but now it's like, oh shit, yeah. There's a mirror of that shot later in this episode. I don't know if you noticed it, but we'll uh, we'll touch on that. Ooh, and judging by your face, um, it looks like you didn't. Ooh, well, yeah. now I'm excited to bring it up. But they get to this Earth Kingdom base, uh, and man, he manipulates them, you know? Immediately, he's coming out with the flattery, you know? And he flatters every oh, single yeah. one of them. He's like, Appa, the great, Momo, Sokka, the brave, and like... Katara, I think, when he compliments her, she's like, oh, wow, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I Katara. felt like that even watching it. I'm like, yeah. this is, you know, because the whole thing is like them journeying and it's just like, uh, who are you kids? Like, what are you doing here? Oh, he's the Avatar. Oh, the Avatar. But that's it. Or it's like, oh, the Avatar, you left us. Yeah. But now it's like they're all famous and all badass heroes. So like, right. this now, must feel so good. Right. Now they have like world renown of significant events that have happened that everyone would hear that like. And they not all just... did something important. They right. were all big pieces to the. Exactly. Yeah. He sets off fireworks. It's pretty cool that they're like earthbending these fireworks up into the air. I kind of liked that. Um but, yeah, he's, like, making a huge show out of this, which we realize later has, like, you know, ulterior motives, which actually doesn't come, actually, that far off. The next scene, they're in the his, like, chamber or whatever, and he's like, I think you need to face the Fire Lord now. <laughs> yeah, he just says it. He straight up just says it. Yeah. And they're like, uh, what? And he's like, you could be an ultimate weapon. And that's the thing. Like, he's thinking about it purely in war terms. Like, and when assets when are weapons, too, you know? It really does. It's one of those things that you can't help but be like, well, I mean. He's kind of yeah, right. right. Yeah. And, and then especially when you realize how much. I, I love that the episode addresses it. How much bad shit is happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. We are watching these kids on an adventure yeah. To save the world, so it's dire. But right. often we're we're blissfully ignorant of what is actually happening, and they just straight up are like, "Hey, these guys are like fucked up because right. you're dilly dallying," you know? Yeah. And it makes you think. And throughout the rest of the show, I remember the first time I watched this. I remember this episode even mm. later, thinking like, "Remember those Earth Kingdom troops?" Like. This isn't some show where people just, like, go, oh, and then they wake up in the infirmary, fine, right. the next day. Like, people get hurt and people die, you know? Yeah. Like, like he says, though, you, you see those troops that, uh, you know, are injured while you're taking your time? Those are the lucky ones. They have come home. That's like, you know. Yeah, they, the Fire Nation is winning. Yeah, they are <laughs> right. So then, uh, do we want to talk a little bit about 
this general and his manipulation, or are you ready to talk about maybe one of the best scenes in, <laughs> in TV show history? I don't know. Uh, maybe not, but I just fucking love. It's, ooh, I mean, it's incredible. All right, we're <laughs> we've diving seen, in. <laughs> we're, we're, we've seen one, like, instance where Iroh, and they made a joke out of it, redirects mm-hmm. lightning. And he's got, like, frizzy hair, and he's like, ooh, but... And you're we like, even oh, said, how do you like, do that? Holy shit. <laughs> like, that was amazing. Wow. Azula. Lightning bends. Creates lightning. Like, she. I don't know why, but it for some lightning. reason really just gives me the chills. I also think I was. When I read, I read She Lightning Bends, I was thinking of the scene later where. Never mind. But this isn't the best scene ever. Oh, no. But it's really great. Yeah. The best scene ever is coming up. Yeah. We'll get to it. But uh, <laughs> I was, I I was a little these, bit uh, like, are you building this on I love the twins. Yeah. These... Are her uh, masters. Yeah. You know? They just a hair off. Like, they're so cool. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. I actually wrote down in the last scene that continues in this scene, in these sort of uh, Azula establishing scenes... There is that Fire Nation theme, but it's like a mystical, like you, it's very it's, faint in the it's background. Like, and it's like, played on like, yeah, it's like these it's creepy, creepy chimes. And then with these old, old women just going, almost perfect. It's like, not quite. You know, they're like talking with each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like finishing each other's sentences and stuff. Ugh. Um, oh. Okay, well, now let's get through the, Ooh, the ways that they try Real quick, and... though. I'm just realizing. Uh, I feel like it's an important, like, I think this was very purposeful, and I'm only realizing it now. Hmm. We just went from a season finale about a master waterbending teacher who is male being like, no women allowed. And now we're yeah. seeing that possibly the most talented, because we've never seen lightning bending. So to us, that's like the most... That's some shit, right? Right. And she's learning it from two masters who are both yeah. women. That's I don't cool. know. That's yeah. pretty cool. Like no, it thank shows you for the that out. even while the Fire Nation is not okay in their uh, <laughs> beliefs right. with like what they're doing as far as like Globally. basically colonialism or whatever yeah. you want to call. It. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if that's okay. Maybe yeah. I don't know what no, they're doing. Right. You know, trying to become the one true. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> What's the word he said? I forgot. The uh, superior, element. the superior element. element. Yeah. Um, aside from that, though, like they're, you know, the fact that this is a thing and it's not something that's all hush hush. Like this is she's royalty and she's being trained to fight. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, so let's get through this whole like training montage, basically, so we can get to what you were saying. <laughs> this dude, the, like, continuing the... to like stroke his beard and shake his head. Right. This long, yeah. This dude's I just beard. love that. Know, something beard about his beard. Stroke and like, and... Eh, fuck off. <laughs> the head shake. Yeah, yeah. Right. But Ang gets, you know, he feels guilty about it, and uh, he comes to the general, General Fong. I don't know if we've said his name yet, but. Uh, and he's in, which is like, oh, shit. And he tells Sokka and Katara. And I like this uh, <laughs> I like this exchange where Katara's like, no, we need to do, like, there's a right way to do this. We need to do it through practice, study, and discipline. And Sokka's like, I mean, the general's kind of right, though. I mean, you could just 
glow it up and go over there and win the war. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the ending of that scene, it really hits home where it's like, Aang is feeling the time crunch. He has a summer to do this. It's like, why not just do it right now? I don't have time to like properly master all four elements. That is what the Avatar has done in a lifetime previously. I'm being asked to do it like I'm just a kid. Like I feel that, you know? Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't blame him for like going along. It doesn't with it. just feel like a a pressure to help people. It feels like a way out. Yeah. Hopefully. The ways the ways that they try and bring about the Avatar state are pretty fucking hilarious though they're they're pretty ridiculous yeah go go through did you write them down yeah uh go the, through them because i didn't write them down so i'll miss one the first one is uh the t that's like 10 times energy yeah that's and they think that like, spark him. <laughs> it's basically another, five like, hour energy this is a kid you know you get a you give a kid caffeine He's going to, and they literally, you can hear that they sped up his voice. Like the audio of his yeah. voice is slightly higher because he's talking so fast. And oh my God, am I talking too much? Oh my God. And he's like, just he smashes he's not saying, oh my God, wall. because God isn't in this world. It's a godless world. Nobody is <laughs> spinning around on his ball and just <laughs> being a kid on caffeine. Like it very much highlights, like this is a child that you're trying to manipulate, which is and funny, then, but yeah. also kind of like, come on. Uh, exactly and they don't get the message they continue to push him Sokka tries to scare it out of him with (laughs) Momo on his head head. (laughs) Momo head is pretty funny they do this ceremony where they give him like ceremonial articles of clothing and then (laughs) splash him with mud and it's like god damn it he sneezes and everybody's covered in mud and they're just like meh and that's the last thing that's the last like sort of traditional uh, method that they use before we uh get to the the big stuff on that storyline but we first go back and i love iroh collecting shells um me too he carries back all these shells he he always has words that aren't just like oh that's a cool tidbit of wisdom i'm gonna put that on my yearbook it's like literally a thing that comforts me as a Mm -hmm. person yeah saying looking at a shell and be like i will appreciate what is what did you write down his quote by chance i didn't write down the quote he goes I'm going to appreciate the, or these will bring me joy for years to come. Mm, He says something like that. And it's just like, what a, it's just such, it's nice to have validation and just like wanting to keep something because later you might look at it and feel happy because you own it. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's just cool. I like that. It's so nice. Zuko does have a point though, when he like gets frustrated at him and he's like, you're forgetting that we have to carry everything we have now. Like, they don't have a crew. Like, his ship was blown up. They are alone and abandoned. Uh, Which highlights a really interesting whole dynamic of, you know, it is it is lovely to be able to have things, but you also need to be able to keep them somewhere. Right. You know, yeah. it's a privilege to be able just to enjoy the little things that they can't appreciate now. That's, oh, very well put. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then Azula shows up in the shadow in the corner. She calls him Zuzu, and he's like, "Don't call me that." Don't it's call just me like, that. Just... <laughs> I love that it is so very... much. <laughs> but it it's like perfect establishing of like he, siblings. They both you know, turn siblings. into little kids in that moment. Yeah. She is when she says Zuzu, and then Zuzu. he just don't call, Don't call me, me that. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's... 
I love it so much. It makes me love Zuko so much more knowing that he can get rubbed yeah. that wrong just by that. Yeah. Right. There's something freaky about her cracking the shell with her like long nails. You know and what? And then the Iroh's sad about? face. Yeah, he's I like, do. Oh. He's like, uh, fuck, that's my shell. Yeah. Yeah, and you get a, another taste for Azula in a big way in one tiny moment when Iroh is like, I do not know if it would. And she says, don't interrupt me, uncle. Like she lashes out at him. And the disrespect for your elders. Oh, my God. It's a slightly outdated, you know, like respect yeah. your elders or whatever. But yeah. at the same time, especially in the Fire Nation, <laughs> she's nuts for not respecting her elder. Yeah. You know, it just shows that she's she doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Yep. So we cut back, and Aang is deciding not. Oh, and I think this is insane. one of my favorite interactions in the whole show. How simple it is. Mm-hmm. It always makes it literally makes me like, oh wow. Yeah. This is, as much as The Great Divide has, what the fuck, character moments, <laughs> this is the most yeah. yes character moment. When uh. Aang goes up to Sokka and he's like, I don't think I want to do this. And then Sokka just goes, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, all right. Yeah. yeah. It's just so like, he's so ready to just mm. be like, whatever you say, man. Like, yeah. I'm on board with you. I'm your friend. Ugh, it but... really just makes me feel so happy that he's willing to just give it all up. That And he was the person who was like, hey, he might be right, like, come yeah. on. But now he's just immediately just, yeah, it's fine. Like, let's go. Let's tell, let's tell Katara in the morning. Katara pleading with him, saying, you don't understand. You haven't been in those moments. And it hurts so much for the people that love you to see you in a state of such rage and pain. Oh, oh yeah. my God. It just hurts like... even more, too, when he says... Thank you for saying that, but I'm still going to do it. Yeah. I'm glad you told me that. Like, right. it really was something he needed to hear, but it still wasn't enough. And he says, like, I'm already a hundred years late. It's like, yeah, I get it. But like, oh, listen to her, man. Also, like, she just straight up told you, like, I love you. Like, come on. The people who love you are being affected. That's me. I'm being affected. Come on. Yeah. I don't know. It just, like, really strikes me. Um. And then we get another emotional moment where Iroh's trying to convince Zuko to not yes. go. And this is like this whole beat, oh. beat by beat series of emotional moments from mm-hmm. him with Sok or him with Katara, then him and Sokka in that little moment. And yeah. then this moment between Iroh and Zuko, I literally had tears in my eyes by the end of it all because it's such good character writing. Every single little moment is so small and quaint, but Just... they're all so perfect. The writing of just uh, Zuko mulling over the thought of, he cares about me. My father cares about me. And Iroh goes, I care about you. <laughs> like, yeah, man. Who has been with you through every step of this and, like, taking care of you? Um, and then he lashes out. Oh, and he man. calls him a miserable Zuko. fool, basically. Yeah. And then oh. leaves. And then the moment that made me go, oh. Like, it was the thing that pushed me over. Yeah. Iroh just runs up, puts a hand on his shoulder, and Zuko has a flashback of the hand on his shoulder at the beach. Yeah, It's like, Ah! that's the moment of validation he's looking for, and he gets it from Iroh coming with him to look for it. It's so profound. And so... Ah! Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It really is. 
Um, and then they they approach the ship. Uh, and now this is the best scene. This is the best scene, and this is this is where, what I was talking about earlier. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> this is where the 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 eye zoom uh f- is come comeback is repeated. It's Iroh. Because the first one oh. is Azula looking at her guard going away. And I the second is Iroh picking up on those vibes and knowing what's going on and being suspicious of all these guards. The same shot is Iroh. I think it's right after actually yeah, it's right after the guard says, Bring the prisoners on board. And I actually read in the the trivia, apparently in the original script, Azula immediately incinerated that guard. <laughs> Just like shoes. Just like <laughs> killed that motherfucker right away. But they thought it was a little too harsh. But um but yeah, then I'm was... only realizing right now that Azula has some crazy Darth Vader uh parallels. Oh yeah. When you think about it. Interesting. You know, being the uh the second hand down from the master doing the master's bidding, being the best yeah. at yeah. what they do. Almost <laughs> like if it, if she would have incinerated him even more so. Right. <laughs> right. Except, yeah, but, except Darth Sidious is the one that uses lightning. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, we cut here, don't we? We cut yeah. back to... Um, These are happening parallel. The morning. Yeah, oh, we're going back and forth. Yeah. So, well, we cut back to them, like Aang waking up. And he's deciding, all right, sorry, we're leaving. And they go to leave, and they start attacking Aang. Aang says, I can only go into the Avatar state when I'm in imminent danger. And he says, I was afraid you'd say that. And then just attacks him, which is so, it's just so stupid. I mean, I get why he's doing it, General Fong, but it's just so stupid. (laughs) It's like, you're trying to bring about the state that will make him fuck up whatever is putting him in danger. So you're trying to beat the thing putting him in danger? Yeah, especially when you consider as soon as it happens, too, because eventually Sokka and Katara try to get in on it because they realize what's going on. First Sokka, and then Katara runs up, and Sokka's like, he's attacking Aang! And the, uh, it kind of pisses me off that the Earth General overpowers now Master Waterbender Katara, but I get it. Like she yeah. wasn't expecting it, and there are a ton of them versus her. But it does. It, it is interesting that um, he uses stuff they've never seen before. Like he turns the ground into sand and levitates the sand up to meet the water stream she's shooting out to turn it into mud and bring it back down. Oh, That's yeah, you're right. That pretty, was really, like, really smart. Yeah, like out there of anything that we've seen before. A pretty interesting Yeah, movie. and I guess when you think about it, there's probably different levels of what bending is used for, like as mm-hmm. an art form and then practically. Right. And this dude is the general of an Earth Kingdom uh, army that seems to be, I mean, they're losing, but he they're still going. You know, we've seen right. Earth Kingdom armies that were just completely overthrown. Mm-hmm. So this dude's probably a really talented fighter, and that's right. why, you know, we see this happen so well. Right. But yeah, then he decides, or does it cut before he does this? It's going back and forth the whole time. Yeah, I we'll think, just go with let, it. Let's wrap so he up decides, this one. He, yeah. He decides to bury... Uh, Katara in order to bring about the Avatar state in Aang and of course it works because 
in the moment, it really makes me feel claustrophobic. He, f- it, oh yeah, I don't know exactly because he says in the moment that Avatar does go, he does glow it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he <laughs> says it was just a trick. So I almost wonder right. if he like had a chamber that he created below the earth so she could right. still breathe. I but at the so. same time, when she pops out, she seems out of breath. Yeah, right. I don't know. It freaks me out, and I don't like it either way. It, I don't like it. And <laughs> it's a fucking dick move. And I don't like it. One bang. Not only goes Avatar State from it, he seems to do some... I don't know if he kills anyone, but he wipes out a yeah. good amount of soldiers. And some of them are riding those... Uh, bird horse thingies yeah as right Sokka calls it which also yeah. i love that Sokka calls it a bird horse thingy because it shows like he's only fr- he's from the south pole and he's only right. seen what we've seen him see so mm-hmm. even to him he it's just he's like it's probably just thing. like a bird horse thing um yeah, <laughs> yeah he flings these disc things which have been really used in a really cool way throughout the fight but he flings like all of them into the walls and like just carnage like just explodes this little base yeah like if they thought they would be able to use him as a weapon well now they can't even fight at all like he made they don't have an army base anymore because of their stupid asses well not there it then Sokka rides up behind the uh earth general as he's like did you see that that was amazing and he just knocks him the hell out (laughs) and he goes Anyone have a problem with that? And we cut to just like all <laughs> of these people. Earth Kingdom armies, just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I I love that you know they at least show us that it's just this one dude you know he's just an idiot. Yeah. So the ending, uh, we'll, we'll get to Zuko's because I think that's a better ending point. But the ending of the of Ang's fight and Zuko's fight give us vitally important things moving forward. The end of Ang's fight is he gets taken away by. Roku. Roku comes yep. on his, his the spirit of appearance. Roku comes. Yeah, and uh gives him the context that when you go into the Avatar state, what you're doing is channeling the abilities of all of your past lives. You're channeling them all so you are at your most powerful, but you're also at your most vulnerable, which is why you probably shouldn't use the Avatar state to fight the Fire Lord because if you die in the Avatar state, there is no more Avatar. The cycle is broken. The Avatar will cease to be. And it's like, holy shit. Um, And then he rides the dragon back and down into the ground and comes back to his body and his face when he sees the destruction. Oh, he's like, I don't, I think he's at a point where it's like, I don't ever want to go into the Avatar state again. It's dangerous. It's vulnerable to the Avatar in general. And every time I create this damage and this pain and this hurt, and it's you so get all cool. of that just in his face. They so subverted us by making an episode be like, "Oh, we're gonna, oh yes, 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 we're gonna learn about this thing," yeah. and then ending it with like, "Yeah, don't do that thing." Don't anymore. do that. And <laughs> yeah. we're cool with it though, yeah, because we right. feel that. You know, mm-hmm. we don't. We thought we were gonna go through an episode learning about how awesome this is, and we go through it, and now want nothing to do with it. And I yep. love that. Yeah. Uh, so cut to Zuko real quick. This is for... the moment you're talking about, right? <laughs> Azula's got the... Uh, or were you talking about when she reveals Honestly, the whole thing? Everything. I, I yeah. forget that it cuts away from it because this whole episode is so brilliantly edited that it feels just like one big piece. Yeah. And yeah, from the moment that that guard fucks up and we see his face go, mm. oh shit, I fucked up. <laughs> and then yeah. 
Iroh, and then the whole fight scene with Zuko using the fire daggers. And then all of a sudden, Azula rears up, which we've seen because we watched her training. And we know how deadly this is because she was only a hair off last time. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing, like... I love that they did that because it's lightning, so it seems like, oh, it's just like, it could be anywhere. But knowing that she was only a hair off, Mm -hmm. she can aim her lightning. That's scary. Yeah. So she shoots lightning, and Iroh comes out and grabs her palm. It's such a cool Mm -hmm. way he does it. He just grabs her palm and then redirects the lightning and just throws her overboard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that, because this whole time she's been just like this... Oh fuck, she's mm-hmm. fucking badass. Yeah. And he just throws her overboard because he's Iroh and you do right. not fuck with Iroh. Mm-hmm. And the way he shouts, Zuko, let's go. Oh. And then there's they, more than yeah. They get away. We get this like brief glimpse of Azula like talking to some Fire Nation town and hanging signs of their faces and saying, These are traitors, and like we have to actively hunt these people down now. So now not only are they like on their own. They are being hunted. Like, they have to go into hiding. And we get this moment that I think about every time I think about this show. Every single Me time too. I think about this Me. moment. This is the moment this is of the episode show. episode one of season two. And it is the turning point of, like, the show in general, in my opinion. Yes, because I absolutely agree. They kneel by the river. Zuko takes out this, like, ceremonial knife, it looks like. And actually, I saw in the trivia, it says, uh, the in, I believe, Japanese, it says, never give up without a fight. And they cut off their buns, their hair, which is uh, mm-hmm. actually another trivia thing, uh, an homage, a, uh, a parallel to the story of Buddha, who, when he started his journey of self-discovery and enlightenment cut off his hair beside a river and these are like these ceremonial buns that we've seen every single fire nation person every single have. one yep it's clearly like their tie to the fire mm-hmm. nation and they're that cutting they're their ties with the entire culture and the just, music the oh, framing yeah the, the pace deciding to have the cut in a shot of just the ponytails floating away in the water yeah and i don't know there's something about that bit that doesn't even feel like the same show. It feels like some crazy... I feel like I'm... I don't even know. Like I'm yep. freaking at church or something. I feel so spiritually connected with that moment of the show. Full body goosebumps. Yeah. Full body goosebumps through that whole final scene. Oh. Holy crap. I didn't know you could get goosebumps on the palms of your hands. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I've got them. Right. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And that's like, yeah, that's this episode. It's fucking, oh, so much important stuff. The Avatar, the Avatar state, like, Aang's reaction to what he's done in the Avatar state. Zuko coming to terms with being on his own and now actively hunted and deciding to finally cut ties and knowing that there's no way he is coming back to the Fire Nation the relationships between the relationships. Sokka, Zuko, or Sokka, uh, Katara, and Aang becomes, they become even more solidified and even understood. Deeper. We get yep. we get a glimpse that, you know, a very clear indication of like there are bad people on all sides of this equation. This 
Earth General is a bad person. <laughs> you know, yep. he is a villain. And there's going to be more of that moving forward. Like, this is the first glimpse of, like, the Earth Nation is who we're rooting for because everything we've seen so far is, like, they're the good guys. It's not as clean cut as that. And this is a perfect introduction to that in this season. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I can't wait to keep diving in. Oh, yeah. Um, Which means we should probably get to Kid Moment of the Week. Good moment of the week. We should. There's got to be some sort of like uh, good jingle. Some some sort of kid moment of the week. I don't know. We'll talk it out. Yeah, we'll figure <laughs> Let's it out. Let's not do it on air. Um, yeah, just back and forth for five more minutes. Right. I honestly think for me, it's either Momo Head or it's uh, Momo Head for me. Yeah, I think. I think it's Momo Head. What was your other one? Ang on caffeine, which is pretty funny, but. I think a kid's like, ha, 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 but doesn't really get it. But Momo Head's like, that shit's hilarious. It's especially <laughs> funny, too, because you're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to scare him. And you're like, oh, shit, what's he about to do? And then the right. shot, and it does scare him. Yeah. And it's just what? like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. great. Momo Head. Uh, Congratulations, Momo Head. You pretty easily <laughs> got, uh, got the number one spot this week. We're fucking suckers for Momo, man. Like, <laughs> he's 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 got a pretty clear well written comic so relief on. yeah oh yeah it, easily um yep throughout the whole first season and now starting with season two thank you uh thank you all for joining us on this journey it's a little bit longer of an episode as we're getting back into the you know the the swing of things we've done a few specials but we'll get back to the sort of normal 45 minute sort of time period as we're moving yeah. forward and getting back into the flow of the season unless we do some special episodes which we have a couple ideas for um but uh thank you all for listening if you want something else to listen to uh we've got uh an actual play dungeons and dragons podcast called legendary four adventures space vampires space vampires thank you gary and uh you, you can find that on legendary4.com or uh uh spotify or itunes or wherever you get podcasts i think it goes out to all those things so yeah i think that's about it for this one i'm gary and i'm calvin thank you for listening